Hi, my name's David Vaughn. I'm so glad you tuned in today, and I'm coming from the place where we shoot a lot of our online stuff. Looks pretty cool, huh? As we now enter the sixth month of the coronavirus, Americans and Christians in particular are just weary of this whole thing. Is that not true? I see your hand. Six months, it feels like six years. Everything is in a state of flux, and so much has been canceled, and that is making me ill. I noticed down here in the big metropolis of Cleves that Gravel-Rama has even been canceled. You know it's bad when Gravel-Rama is gone. I don't know if you've heard, but the Churchill Downs Racetrack unveiled their 60-page plan recently to host next month's Kentucky Derby, near and dear to my heart. Social distancing, everything applied, even the horses have to wear masks. Did you hear that? No, I'm just playing with you. I got some of y'all. I know who you are. I can even tell by a few of my emails that maybe some of you are sick and tired of me. Thanks for your patience. The words of a guy named Habakkuk, try saying that four or five times, Habakkuk, his words come to mind. What, David? Who? Yeah, Habakkuk. Little book in a big Bible written by a large prophet who was also growing weary of a lot of stuff in his day, too. Let me l let you listen in on some of Habakkuk's complaints. Here was his chief one. It runs throughout the book. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? How long, O Lord? But you do not listen. I cry out to you, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice he says, some of y'all are asking that same question. Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife. Conflict abounds. Is that Habakkuk or is that the normal news of the day? Therefore, he says, the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked, him and the righteous, justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, Habakkuk wrote. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I've said that to multiple people. I've heard that. I cannot believe this has happened. Never seen it before. Habakkuk continues at the end of his letter, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. God, the Holy One, comes out of heaven Praise fills the earth. Notice what he says. Your splendor is like the sunrise. Fl rays flash from your hand. Plague goes before you. Pestilence follows your steps. Man, is that not true? But then a word of hope at the very end from Habakkuk, this complaining prophet. I, I think you could claim some of this. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and be joyful in God my Creator. Oh man, Habakkuk had a long list of complaints. How long, O oh Lord? Does that, does that sound familiar? That's probably your lament right now, your petition, your question, your complaint. I bet you got a lot of complaints. You've probably been telling your family all about it. I know I've heard from some of you, same things. But here's my complaint. David, I can't go to the Reds game right now. 
Could I just say I've been watching the Reds? No loss. No loss there. Uh, but, David, I can't enjoy Buckeye football. Pray for John and Kelly Tizovich. They are in a funk about this. I'm, I'm kind of worried. It, David, I can't stay at the bar after 10 p.m. Let me just give you a little clue here. I found that not much good happens after 10 p.m. in a bar. Just saying. But, David, I know this is big for people on the west side of Cincinnati. I can't go to my festivals. I miss beer. I miss bingo. I miss bands. You know, a friend of mine was at a church festival last year, and as he and his family were leaving the church property, the band was playing ACDC's Highway to Hell. At a church fest, you cannot make this stuff up. Are you missing that? Maybe. How long, oh Lord? I I get the same question. How long, David? Before we can start doing stuff again. How long, David, till we can worship inside again? Stay tuned. We'll let you know. There are a lot of things that we are blaming on the pandemic right now. I bet you are. I mean, people joke on social media that 2020 is what the apocalypse in the end times feels like. Interestingly, the word apocalypse didn't originally mean disaster, but uncovering or revealing. And that's exactly what COVID has done. It has revealed a lot about what's been going on in our lives. And if we could just speak truth to each other, it hadn't been very pretty. Even pre-COVID, it got a little ugly. I think COVID has not caused problems, but simply revealed stuff that was just under the surface already. In fact, the majority of those who have tragically died from COVID already had underlying health issues that led to COVID being lethal. It wasn't COVID per se, oh, that'll get the blame. But what was already there under the surface is what got them. It's what will get you too. It's so easy to blame Corona for all our pain, all our problems. So our team and I decided to do a whole series on it entitled, Because COVID. Oh, I know, I can hear some of y'all already. David. I'm like sick of everything, but I'm especially sick of even that word. Don't tell me we're going to keep talking about COVID, let alone a whole series about it. That's the last thing I want to hear and talk about. Now, just hold on, because during this series, we're going to look at what Corona has revealed about our way of life and about the way that we can be better because of it. Because Corona is not always negative, it's going to be a positive. Seems to me that COVID is the ultimate excuse that people are giving right now for ignoring what really needs to change in our world. And the main thing that has to change is in our hearts. What we need, friend, is not a new vaccine, but a new heart. Because there'll always be disease. There'll always be some COVID thing to blame our problems on. And instead of blaming COVID for all of your dysfunction and all of our problems, Can we just begin maybe to look at it as an opportunity to shine a light and expose our heart about issues in very biblical and practical areas? Things like the pain of family, the pain of friendships, the pain of finances. What are the habits that we need to develop right now so that COVID doesn't take us out? You know, everything is so conflicting and uncertain with this virus. That's part of the problem. That's part of the frustration. But listen to me, uncertainty is an opportunity. 
COVID could possibly be, now I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I've been told that before. COVID could possibly be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you in your life if you choose to see it that way. It could likely be the greatest season of learning and spiritual growth ever. Your family could be better. Your finances could be better. Your friendships could be better. I know your relationship with God could be better. If nothing else, you're never going to take us gathering together inside for worship for granted. Again, you will never look at it the same. Oh, there's all kinds of good things if you list them, if you look for them. So we want everyone at Whitewater to live their best life on mission right now. Not wait around for things to go back to whatever normal is going to be. We want people to take responsibility for their actions and not blame other people or situations. Some of you who are in Celebrate Recovery or any recovery program recognize this. This is a huge step in your personal recovery. Quit looking for someone to blame and start looking at yourself. Quit blaming those people. They are doing that. They aren't doing anything. You are doing that. Someone said if you could kick the person most responsible for your problems, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. That's probably true. See, pain is actually a part of God's plan. See, we can always look at what the creator of the world is up to and wonder, but I can tell you right now, he's up to something and you don't even know it. We can't always see it, but he is at work even now. You need to probably start believing that. When you lose hope that God is up to something in your pain, that there's potential, there's progress from it, that's when despair seeps in. Because God can see all, God sees the end from the get beginning. If the world is a chessboard and we're its pieces, his first move is always made with the last move in mind. He sees it all. He's been working upstream long before this COVID hit us, but because we're ignorant of his larger plan, we are often frustrated by his actions. Listen, just because something doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Understanding all is kind of above my pay grade. I know some here counting on me to tell you it's above my pay grade. It's above all our pay grade. It's God's job. Our job is if and when God lets us know to do something, our job is to learn and improve from it, knowing he is using whatever is going on in our world for our good and his glory. You know, as I read about it and think about it, I think the source of so much of our current angst is rooted in our over-reliance on human power and the government to find solutions to our problems and an under-reliance on God. You know, our elected officials, our other representatives must do their part, but they can only humanly do so much. As a Christian, our hope, our faith are not in the government or even those highly talented scientists who are operating right now around the clock to develop a vaccine. That's not our hope. So today I want to drill down a little more on this specific aspect and problem of pain. Because many of us, honestly, we are in pain. And we blame corona for our pain. This pandemic has indeed caused a ton of pain, both directly, people, I, honestly, I know people who have suffered. I've known folks who have passed away. Directly, a lot of people are suffering from corona. They have pain. Indirectly, but through lockdowns or cancellations, 
we're suffering, and this pain is legitimate. I don't want to minimize it. But if we're honest, a lot of us already had a lot of pain in our lives that we didn't know how to deal with even before corona. Christians and Americans, we have this bad tendency to pretend that we're not in pain because we want to be happy and we want people to think we're happy. But as you mature in life and faith, listen now, this is what I've learned, old dude, bald head, body falling apart, talk about that in a minute. As you mature in life and faith, you'll find, ready for it? Pain is your friend. Pain is your greatest teacher. Pain is what leads to every growth you've ever had in your life. Paul Patterson III said it well. He said, pain is not a problem in and of itself, but rather it is a symptom, a sign of something gone wrong. When one places their hand on a stove, the problem is not the pain or the stove. It's the fact that they're doing something that shouldn't be done. The pain in our world, friend, is simply a sign that something is wrong. He said something is seriously messed up. Without pain, we may never realize that something is wrong, he concluded. Let me give you the Dave Vaughn version of that. I'm not as eloquent. All sunshine makes a desert. If you never know rain, you'll never value sun. If you never know pain, you don't know what peace is. I mentioned how my age is catching up with me. Happened again this week, an old golf injury jumped up suddenly again in my lower back. It's a good thing that we weren't shooting this sermon yesterday. I don't know if I could have done it because when it goes out, it's bad. It's painful. I know it will go away in about a day, so I never mess with it. But you know what? Sooner or later, I'm going to have to go to somebody who knows what they're doing and look at the root of that pain because it's probably going to get worse and not go away. I can choose to complain and grumble and sit on a heating pad for like 24 hours and or I can go to the source of my problem, so it happens less and less. Pain prompts, pain pushes, pain provokes truth to emerge. I really like the way that Peter puts it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Peter was the guy who denied the Lord. Peter had a lot of pain in his life, but it produced more faith in him. Here's how he described it, and there's a word right here For somebody listening, wherever, whoever, wherever you are, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. That's COVID right there. Don't be surprised. It's a fiery ordeal. It's testing you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. In other words, hang in there. Pain is going to produce something. God is going to get glory from it. You just haven't seen it yet. What Peter is describing here and other biblical authors and people who followed Jesus over the centuries is this. Peter is describing a theology of pain, a theology for pain. For when you understand what pain is, it helps you deal with it. An understanding of pain is part of God's redemptive and sanctifying plan. And eventually you can start, I know this sounds weird, you can start rejoicing in your pain. N.T. Wright is a theologian. I read just about everything he writes. He recently wrote an outstanding book entitled God and the Pandemic. Highly recommend it. 
he talks about the value of a biblical word called lament. And now Christians are not very good at it. We're good at moaning, but not lamenting. He says that we need to embrace lament and discover the power of it. What exactly is lament? It doesn't sound too much fun, David. It is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Webster defines it as to mourn aloud, to wail, to have regret for something, often demonstratively. To lament means that something horrific has likely happened in their life, and it moves the person deep within their soul to outwardly express it in a demonstrative way. Lament is this cathartic way to express deep feelings and emotions. I want to read you an example of lament in the form of a letter written by a Major Sullivan Ballou of the Union Army. He penned it to his wife, Sarah, on July the 14th, 1861, one week before the Battle of Bull Run, where he was ultimately killed. They had only been married six years. Listen to what he said. My very dear Sarah, the indications are very strong that we shall move in a few days, perhaps tomorrow, lest I should not be able to write again. I felt compelled to write a few lines that may fall under your eye when I shall be no more. Sarah, my love for you is deathless. It seems to bind me with mighty cables that nothing but omnipotence could break. And yet my love of country comes over me like a strong wind. It bears me irresistibly on with all of these chains to the battlefield. The memories, though, Sarah, of all our blissful moments I have spent with you come creeping over me. And I feel most deeply grateful to God and you that I have enjoyed them so long. And how hard it is for me to give them up and burn to ashes the hopes of future years when, God willing, we might still have lived and loved together and seen our sons grow up to honorable manhood around us. If I do not return, my dear Sarah, never forget how much I love you. And when my last breath escapes me on the battlefield, I will whisper your name. Forgive me my faults and the many pains I have caused you, how thoughtless, how foolish I have often been. Oh, Sarah, if the dead, listen to this, Oh, Sarah, if the dead can come back to this earth and flit unseen around those they loved, I shall always be near you in the gladdest day, in the darkest night, amidst your happiest scenes and gloomiest hours, always, always. And if there be a soft breeze upon your cheek, it shall be my breath. Or the cool air that cools your throbbing temple, it shall be my spirit passing by. Sarah, do not mourn me dead, or think I am gone. Wait for me, and we shall meet again. Wow. The men here are like, I wish I could write words like that to my wife. And all the women are saying, I wish my husband had died in the Civil War. I mean, all kinds of responses to the words, that's pretty good, to the words of lament. I know some of you ladies, you're crying right now. Oh, David, don't ruin that moment. In the Bible, they were good at lamenting. That's what Sullivan Ballou did. Did you know that there's a whole book of the Bible dedicated just to this subject and this topic of lamenting? Guess what the name of the book is? Lamentations. Have you ever been like studying, like, what is that about? Let me read you a couple of verses 
a couple of laments from this author. He's not Sullivan Ballou, but he's pretty good. How deserted, he writes, lies the city once so full of people. Is that not true? That could have been written in 2020. He says over in chapter 3, I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness, the gall. I will remember then, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this, when I call to mind, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I said to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Waiting is so hard right now. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And then he finishes his lamentations, his laments by saying this, slaves rule over us. There's no one to free us from their hands. We get our bread at the risk of our lives. Is that not true for COVID? Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. Can you hear the pain? Can you hear the grief? Can you hear the loss? Those are laments. Just be honest with you a few minutes, a little real with you. There were times before COVID when I lamented about some things. Well, I'm lamenting now, but this is not the only season I've ever had lament. There was this very difficult season that my wife Donna and I went through a couple of years ago. It was a season where every time we turned around, there was loss and pain. We had the stress, the pressure of in the same season, same time. We had the stress and pressure of a phase two opening. My dad passed away. My mom's health and dementia issues emerged. We also had some friends that we thought were good, supportive friends, and they chose to just walk out of our life. One of the things I've never understood about church and ministry is you could get so close to people and church people will just walk right out of it, and they'll never call, and it's awkward. Man, I can't tell you the pain, the lament. And on top of that, our dog also died. I mean, what, it was a run like we had never had before in our life. And it is in those painful times, those valley experiences, that we learn lessons, and we learn to trust in God like never before. You can, too. So if you're going through a tough time right now, and if you are in a season of loss, whether it's friends, finances, even your faith in your family, during times like this, you can relate to the suffering servant passage that we read about in Isaiah. Man, Isaiah was just such a great prophet of God. And in Isaiah 53, he's describing Jesus Christ you'll see some similar phrases of Jesus on the cross. And it says this about Jesus, that he took up our pain. He bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He took our pain. It says he was familiar with pain. He was a man of constant sorrow. 
<laughs> some of you know I like country music, and some of you may know my favorite movie it has that song, a man of, I Am a Man of Constant Sorrow. It's from the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, oh, I love it. I can quote the phrases. Dang, we're in a tight spot. I've said that more than once in Corona. Dang, dang we're in a tight spot. But God got our attention with pain. In this valley that Donna and I were in, even though we felt like the suffering servant, compared to what Jesus went through, our pain is nothing. God used that season, that valley, to teach us lessons we could have never learned on the mountain. So know God is at work, and it all starts with pain. C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, wrote another book called The Problem of Pain. He said, we can rest contentedly in our sins and in our stupidities, and everyone who has watched gluttons shoveling down the most exquisite foods as if they did not know what they were eating, he writes, will admit that we can ignore even pleasure. But pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our, I love this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. C.S. Lewis concluded, it is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I wonder who God is speaking to or using his magnified voice right now to talk to. What is God, what is COVID amplifying his megaphone into your life right now? You need to listen to it. You need to wrestle with it. You need to appreciate it. Because when we allow God into our pain, our pain leads us down our path of potential. Oh, that's rich. When we let God into our pain, he leads us down a pathway of potential. I see it time and time again at Whitewater. I saw it in a young lady named Jennifer. Check her story out. I didn't always have like a good life. Um, I used to be on drugs and then I met this guy who, you know, in the beginning was my boyfriend, I thought, and then um, he would keep me on drugs and make me, um, tra like traffic me, you know. Um, sometimes six, seven times a day. I mean, it was not fun. Um, and we were together for like two and a half years. and. Um, and then I ran, like literally ran away from him and went to the women's shelter in Covington. Like I had to go through all the steps to get into the refuge. Refuge is the um, for survivors of human trafficking and um, they, uh, they accepted me into their program and I spent, um, I don't know, almost a year there in Chicago and um, it was just wonderful. Like I had already been, you know, I was a Christian, but I wasn't doing the the steps. You know, I was just, I'm a Christian, you know, and they reintroduced me to um, my God and to um, to uh, just loving, loving people again and um, myself. And I've never had a place of my own, never. Um, so at the age of 45. That's that's my dream. So to just be established my, myself, because I've never had that. I've never had savings. I've never had just the ability to to do any of those things. Um, it's been a very very hard and crazy journey. So 
I guess just like a personal feeling of I've finally overcome everything. <laughs> the drugs, the, the hardship that um, I've been through for so long. And you know, I did to myself a lot and then what was done to me and that I don't have to be dependent on anyone. That's like the biggest thing. I've already, like, when I was at the refuge, I've so many things. Like, I, I've said I've never was into art, and I've just, um, I don't know. Like, my expression is just, I don't know, happiness. You know, um, freedom like a butterfly, like a, a huge butterfly. And, like, that's my Facebook picture is just a butterfly, and that's freedom to me, like, you know developing wings and just being able to fly you know for for once for the first time you have to take that first step you have to take the first step of getting away from that person and or getting away from whatever this you know the 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 situation is because if you don't do it for yourself no one's going to help you Hey Jen, this is Terry Beth. Hi. We are so in awe of the amazing things that God has done in your life and how you oh, came forward to just share all that great uh -huh. stuff. So we okay. want to come alongside of you and bless you as you venture out now into your new apartment, your first time apartment, and help <gasps> you with um, whatever you need help with, the deposit, the first month, some furniture. Oh, oh I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, my goodness, thank you. Oh, you're so oh, welcome. so great. Good, good, good. Oh, wow. Well, you, uh -huh. you just keep dreaming, and we are so thankful that you connected with us here at Whitewater because you're just a treasure. And we can't wait to see how God now uses your story to touch other people's lives. Oh, oh my goodness. You are so welcome. And you're so loved. Don't you love Jen's story? From time to time, we do something around Whitewater called the dollar difference. And usually we're in person and we ask everyone to give at least a dollar in the boxes or online. Now we're asking everyone watching this to give at least one additional dollar to help Jen get into that apartment. You can do that right now on the mobile app or online. Just click on Give, G-I-V-E, and let's cheer Jen on as she turns pain into her pathway of potential. You know, while COVID restrictions are indeed painful, while we can lament and complain, they also offer us an opportunity to reflect on what God is doing in our lives. So here's my final challenge to you today. Do not waste this crisis. Don't waste this pain. Maybe this could be a time when you lament and process some very painful things. It's been long overdue. I encourage you to bring that grief and pain to Jesus. Every week, we want you to take some time and think about what we've been talking about on a particular Sunday. Three sections of what we're asking you to do. We want you to take, first of all, some me time. Consider a couple of questions that we'll send you by email or through the Whitewater app. Me time. You need to take care of me sometimes in an unselfish way. 
Now, I'd also encourage you not just to do me time, also try us time as well, us. Get together with someone you trust to talk about what you answered in the me section. Maybe your Whitewater small group is meeting over Zoom or meeting again in person. Maybe you have a really great small group and it's maybe it's just you and your spouse and your family that will process the us time. Maybe it's one or two trusted friends and you get together every week or so to talk about life. Do me time, but do us time. And then if you really want to go to the next level, and this is where following Jesus gets so much fun, also try go time, G-O time. Go apply the learnings each week to others. We've been using the phrase, move from outrage to outreach. Knowing what we now know about this pain this week, perhaps demonstrate more compassion to people who are in pain. I can be uh, very unsympathetic at times, very impatient with people who are in pain. That's because I'm not in pain that day. So be ambassadors of hope right now because there is a broken heart in every street, every car, every store, every home, because people are more desperate than ever right now for hope. See those folks that you will see every day that you don't even know, not as the enemy, but victims of the enemy. It's going to be really important as we head into the most contentious, outrageous polarization and politicization process you can imagine in coming months. Choose to see people not with positions, but with how God sees them. And most of these people are in pain. It's kind of like your injured dog. I don't know if you ever had a dog as a pet that, God forbid, it ran out in the street and got hit. But if that ever happens to your pet and your dog wasn't it hadn't died, but it was injured in the road, and you went out as the pet owner after being faithful to that dog, and it loved you, but in your attempt to try to pick up that injured animal, that dog will snap at you. It will bite you. Not because the dog doesn't like you. It's not biting out of anger. It's biting out of pain. And I meet a lot of people that are injured. They're walking through life. They're hurting. They're crying out. We can't kick them we got to reach out to them, but just be aware they might snap a little bit. And they're not really mad at you. They're just having problems processing their pain. Who better to do that with them than you and Jesus? Just be there for people. I'm seeing evidence of the extreme pain that people are in right now, especially regarding their mental health. Man, there's a lot of folks that have stumbled upon right now they are in some dark places. They stumbled into some stuff that they don't know how to deal with. They had no support system. They had no Savior. We need people who can help and pray with these people through issues of grief and loss and help them out of the dark places of despair. I'd ask you to pray for our frontline people, mental health and physical health, those who are working in the Life Center, other places where mental health and hope are demonstrated. So me time, us time, and boy, go time. Let me show you what this looks like before I sign off. This is the actual group question. So just let me show you. These are the list of questions from the first week. And again, just me and you talking. If I was in a small group, I'm doing me time. I'm doing us time. Here's the one I would answer. When you hear the word pain, 
what's the first thing you think or feel? You know what I think? Oh, no. Now, some of you may say other words. But when I get pain, oh, no. I don't see it as a blessing. I see it as a pain. I see it as a problem. It's not something I want to deal with. So I need to take my own advice from this message. And when pain happens, ask, what is it that God is teaching me through the path of pain that would potentially lead me to get on a path of learning and understanding? So here's how I would answer it. I hope that you would take one of these questions and answer it too. It's not too hard. And for those of you who are still not convinced, you may question why God allows pain and suffering. I encourage you to go back and look at the cross. See, Christianity is the only major religion that teaches that God suffered and even died for us. It's a reminder that he is intimately familiar and empathetic to our pain and our grief. He is a man well acquainted with sorrow, the scripture says. So perhaps your go today, your go time, is simply to go to Jesus with your pain, saying, God, thank you for dying for me on the cross, for taking my pain, my sickness, my disease of sin. I'm sorry, God, for what I've done. And then responding in faith in baptism, which is what people did in the Bible as their next step. We had three people who went all in last week. I'm so proud of those three. There are many, many more watching this who also need to take those steps. So let me end by praying for you. And as we launch this series, because COVID, I think God's going to flip the script on this. He's going to flip a switch in your mind where you are now going to see what used to be problems and blame. You're going to see it in a whole new light. So let me pray for you. Father, as we launch this series, help us to address the issues, not of our world and our diseases, our viruses, but our hearts. And the thing that would destroy that the most is what we need to eradicate. I know there are people right now watching who are in extreme pain. That is your megaphone to shout that you are there for them to learn things they would never learn any other way. Preachers have pain, too. I've shared a little bit of that. All of us, none of us are immune from that. So help us, God, to look at others differently, to look at ourselves differently, to look at you differently, because you loved us so much and saw our pain that you sent a Savior named Jesus Christ. And someday, Father, in heaven, there will be no more pain, no more hurting, no more sorrow, no more death, no more COVID, just peace and love forevermore. We pray this now in Christ's name. Amen.